Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano, and thanks for tuning in to the Harpen on Rugby podcast. HarpenOnRugby.net is an unofficial fan site for Leinster and Ireland rugby, with regular coverage of the latest news and opinion via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course this pod. If you haven't already, please subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts as well as a host of other platforms. This is episode 14 of a feature we call The Pod of Three, where we share clips from the best independent rugby podcasts. Today's theme is rugby history. Throughout the COVID break, most content producers have been forced to look back in time for topics to feature. And while I'm on the subject, I might as well point out that we're no different here at Harper Manor with our retro rugby series. Check back in our feed for those pods if you've missed them. First up here, we have Rugby Reloaded, which is our new to our pod of three stable and regularly covers the history of both Union and League. In this one, Tony Collins looks at the origins of the rivalry between the All Blacks and the Springboks. Then the Dead Ball area talks to former Samoa international Apollo Perolini about his career. And finally, the almighty Squidge continues his game-by-game retrospective on the 2011 Rugby World Cup by chatting to USA International Blaine Scully. As always, you'll find all the relevant links to their full shows in the program notes. Many thanks to all the producers for allowing us to use their content. So without any further ado, here's today's pod of three. Hello, I'm Tony Collins and this is the Rugby Reloaded podcast. As Southern Hemisphere Rugby Union is gripped by discussions about the future of Super Rugby and the Rugby Championship, I thought I'd offer some historical perspective on the debate by looking at how the fundamental axis of Southern Hemisphere rugby, that between New Zealand and South Africa, was forged in the interwar years. As we saw in episode 71 of Rugby Reloaded, these two nations first met in a test series only in 1921, when the Springboks toured South Africa. The series was fought to an epic but unsatisfying draw, and it would be seven years before the two sides met again, when the All Blacks made their first tour to South Africa in 1928. In the meantime, the gap between New Zealand and South African rugby and the rest of the rugby union world continued to grow. In 1924, the All Blacks had made their second visit to Britain, going one better than 1905 by winning all of their 32 matches to earn the title the Invincibles. Even Wales proved no match and were dispatched 19-0 at Swansea. The only side to threaten them was Wayville Wakefield's England, whose brutal approach to the game led to New Zealand forward Cyril Brownlee becoming the first player ever to be sent off in an international match less than 10 minutes after the kickoff. Earlier in 1924, a fifth British Isles touring team, they would not be known as the Lions until 1950, had toured South Africa. With the exception of a 3-3 draw in the third test at Port Elizabeth, the Springboks swept the tourists aside and comfortably won the three other test matches. So when it was announced that the All Blacks would tour South Africa in 1928, anticipation could not have been higher. In the seven years between the two tours, the game had spiralled in popularity in both countries, especially among Afrikaners in South Africa, and everyone recognised that the Test Series would be nothing less than the unofficial championship of the world. But for the New Zealand selectors, the quest to become world champions was subordinated to the desire not to offend the racial policies of the South African Rugby Board. In June 1927, the New Zealand Rugby Union told its provinces confidentially that no Maori players would be selected for the South African tour. George Nepier, the world's greatest fullback, and Jimmy Mill, who had been instrumental in the 1924 tourists' wins over England and Wales, were left at home, and aspiring Maori players were ignored. It's worth noting that this decision helped boost Maori Rugby League tremendously and many Maori players, including Napier, switched codes. Lacking two of their most experienced players, when the all-white All Blacks arrived in South Africa, they did not impress their hosts 
and most critics predicted a Springbok series win. But as their form improved, hopes were raised back in New Zealand. To win the Wales title was how the New Zealand newspaper Truth described the match on the eve of the first test in Durban. It was not to be. Welcome to Rugby Reimagined. My name's Graham Forbes and I run the rugby-focused analysis site and YouTube channel for Deadball Area. Today I'm really pleased to be able to talk to Apollo Perellini. Apollo was a Samoan international in both Union and League, playing in the legendary Samoan team of the 91 World Cup. Can you, do you mind giving people just a little bit of background about yourself? I'd be surprised if people don't know who you are, but I'm talking to Apollo Perellini today. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, if you don't mind just giving a little bit of a background about yourself and, and just kind of setting the scene for people. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Born in, born in, born in um, Samoa and then, then moved to New Zealand um, at the age of three and then grew up in New Zealand, played rugby in New Zealand and uh, represented New Zealand at uh, schoolboys and age group level, uh, New Zealand under 21s at the time. Um, and then uh, played for North Harbour, played in Auckland and then switched to North Harbour and then um, played for Samoa in the 91 World Cup. Yeah, that was a sort of one of the uh, best memories of <laughs> back, then, oh, back then, you know, everybody wanted to play international rugby, you know, and there was no money in the game. Um, people always ask me, you know, did you not want to go for an all black jersey? I said, yeah, I did. You know, I played under 21, but it was, it was such a, there was a, there's a long queue. <laughs> when you're lining up behind the likes of Zinzi and Brooke, Michael Jones, and, and, and those were, you know, it, 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 you could be waiting for years. So, uh, so I decided to play to, to represent Samoa in the um, in the '91 World Cup, and then after the '91 World Cup, they changed everything because um, it became a, a, a marketable product. And um, when I was at the World Cup, rugby league clubs were were poaching, were were coming in and and introducing themselves at our hotel rooms. And, but I, I kind of just waved waved that off. And then um, in 1993, I was given an offer to rugby league um, in St. Helens, UK, and um, so I decided to um, go for the money, <laughs> go, go, go learn a living, but playing sport, although I didn't play rugby league ever when I, when I was growing up, I was always a rugby union kid, um, I just thought, you know, it was a great opportunity, um, I finally decided to want to go, I wanted to finish off my career playing rugby union, so I moved to South Sharks, and a um, a um, three-year deal with South Sharks, but I played only two because I I was I felt like my body couldn't take it anymore mentally, and my head said stop. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, so I just hung up the boots in um, in '93 and went into strength and conditioning and and then in skills coaching, and then I became a, a um, skills coach and um, hit a strength and conditioning at at South Sharks for a year, and then. Um, St. Helens Rugby League came in and got me to come back. Let's go back to 2011. Look at the World Cup with Squidge. Let's go back. Oh, baby, let's go back with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby Rugby World Cup retrospective and joining us today a very exciting very special guest the one and only captain of the usa last year a genuine hero of the game and someone that played in this very game mr blaine scully thanks for having me pumped to be here 
this game against Russia. So you, the game kicks off and you've got James Patterson uh, and Gwenya and Chris Wiles as the back three. And then at 37 minutes, Patterson goes down injured and on you come. You then play two minutes and then for the second half, they d- apparently at halftime they discover Atlantis and you then end up playing there instead because you're suddenly playing the wettest conditions imaginable. You're suddenly playing basically underwater. What are your memories of that That kind of coming on just before halftime and then yeah. that coming out for that second half and seeing, oh, it's one of those games, you know, and having played yeah. fullback in those games, it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I remember before the game because I, you know, I was uh, I wasn't that happy that I wasn't starting mm. um, because I, I thought I'd, you know, I'd done enough. Um, and, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I, even if it wasn't at fullback, I knew Chris was, Chris is probably our best player on the team. Mm. And, um, and, but I, I still felt like I did, I, I was in with a shout and, and, and again, that's a really challenging part about teams too. Right. And, and um, it was a really close call and they decided to go with a more experienced lineup. Cause again, like I was still a kid at that point and, and, um, and, you know, I, I was, I accepted all that and I, I was competitive. And, and so, you know, for me, um, being in a 22 then, because it wasn't 23 on the field, uh, <laughs> I forget, you forget you could kick directly in the touch, right? Like after, like, <laughs> yeah, after that, yeah. whenever I play rugby 08, I'm like, oh, you can do that in this. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, so fast forward to that moment where you're kind of sitting on the sideline, you're doing your warm up stuff. And, and, and I think James, James hurt his shoulder and mm. he was going to try to carry on. And, uh, and then it's just, Skelly, get ready. And then, you know, literally, like you take your track, track bottoms off and your track top off. And then I'm saying, Skelly, you're on. <laughs> okay, let's go. Um, and um and then yeah so like it's it's just so rugby isn't it like you're like (laughs) waiting for it to go waiting for it to happen and then boom you're on and then come back out after halftime and it is absolute disaster of a weather yeah (laughs) but but i mean that was new zealand so yeah that's true That's it for now. If those great productions aren't already in your weekly rotation, be sure and add them right away. As always, you'll find all our latest content at harpandrugby.net. We're close to announcing the Super Rugby franchise we plan to follow for the remainder of the tournament to get back up to speed in the area of match previews and write-ups. Can you guess which one we've chosen? Until next time, stay safe everyone. Slan.